0: All right, so Matt, how many teenagers does it take to screw in a light bulb?
1: Hmm. I don't know. Oh,
0: uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be something like that. <laughs>
1: Here, it's Good. I uh, had a had a good week. Uh, had a pretty good day. Feeling good about being in a graveyard.
0: Awesome. That always makes it better when you lead in with an, a good day. You can have yeah. a, a good recording here. Uh, Real quick, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. We're proud to be members of the Podbelly Network, as always. And you can find different shows to listen to if you go over there and run through their show list. You might find something you didn't know was out there and that you're actually going to love. Um, We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Magic Spoon, Raycon, and HelloFresh. And we'll talk a little bit more about them coming up. Now, Matt, you know what time of year it is. It's October... It's spooky season, but we've got to start looking in the future. And as everybody knows, every Christmas, we do a listener stories episode. So you know (laughs) what time it is. It's a tradition now. It is. It's become a a Graveyard Tales tradition. Um, So now is the time to start sending them in. If you have a personal experience, if you have an experience from a friend of yours that they told you, anything like that, shoot us an email with that story. Um, Put on the subject line Christmas 2021 um, so that we'll know when searching through what it is um, and we can keep them and compile them accordingly. Um, And also put on there whether we can use your name on the episode or not. Um, Just let us know all that, but send it in. You. If you're new and you haven't checked it out,
1: Matt, tell them what we do. So every year we celebrate the Victorian tradition of telling ghost stories around the fire on Christmas Eve. So we're giving all of our listeners the opportunity to share a ghost story. Um, it, it is it has exploded since we did this. The very first year, um, first Christmas that that we uh, were a show, and I mean, I, I think we had what maybe a dozen or so stories shared that first year. Yeah, if that, yeah. And 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 last year, <laughs> we <laughs> Adam sends me the file for the stories, and I'm like holy cow <laughs> i mean it just get f- flooded if this if, if if you had to mail us letters it would have been that scene like you know dumping the bag of mail on your head yep <laughs> That's what exactly it like. but that was it was amazing so we know that that graveyard members have always done well and been excited for you know our christmas show so start getting those stories in line getting them to us uh, gives us a chance to to read them and absorb them and we'll get ready and share them closer to Christmas.
0: Exactly. So um, our email address will be down in the show notes if you need it. But it's Graveyard Tales at Gmail dot com. Um, just send them there. Christmas 2021 as the subject line um, again, real quick. Um, while you're on the internet, go to patreon.com slash tales. And if you're not a patron, you can sign up one, five or $10 tiers and you can get different bonuses for each tier Our $10 tiers. They get the video version ad free of us recording this episode. So if you're interested in seeing that, then you can go over there, become a $10 patron. Um, If you can't afford the $10, $5, you do get one video a week with a bonus episode. You don't get the full main episode as a video, but you do get a short bonus video episode that way. So there's different bonuses for the different levels. So go over there, patreon.com slash graveyard alright you All right, y'all. So growing up, I love cereal. I mean, I'm a grown man and I still love me some cereal. But with the fact that Ashley and I are trying to go to the gym and be healthy and all that stuff, you can't just eat all this sugary, carbohydrate-loaded cereal and expect to get the most benefit out of working out. And the older you get, you probably shouldn't have that sugary cereal anyway, So we found Magic Spoon, and I'm thankful we did because it's kind of like drinking a protein shake but eating it because it's so much healthier for you, and I still get the taste of the cereal that I love.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a good analogy, Adam, is drinking a protein shake. Magic Spoon is so special because it has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And there's only 140 calories in a serving. That's crazy. I mean, that, that's great. You're, you're not going to find a breakfast cereal that has all of that. Right. Plus, you know, if you're dieting, that's cool. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Now, if you want to try Magic Spoon, they have a way that you can build your own box from all of their available flavors. You get a custom bundle. You can choose from cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and Adam and my favorite, maple waffle. Oh,
0: yeah. That's good stuff, man. and
1: And we know why. Maple waffle and cookies and cream were a fan favorite. They ran for a limited time. They are back permanently on Magic Spoon's flavor choices. Thank so, goodness. Yeah. So it, it, if you're going to give it a shot, you got to get maple waffle in there.
0: I uh, promise. Yeah. Yep. You won't regret it because I, I I love it, like Matt said, and then I gave a box of it to my grandmother, and she loves it. She said it tastes just like maple syrup on a waffle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Graveyard Tales listeners can go to magicspoon.com slash grave, that's G-R-A-V-E, to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GRAVE, again, that's G-R-A-V-E, at checkout, and you'll get $5 off your order.
0: That's right. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. So remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash grave. That's G-R-A-V-E and use our code grave, G-R-A-V-E to save $5. Now, Matt. That's all the jaw jacking I've got. So why don't you tell us? It's a bad time. I know, right? Why don't you tell <laughs> us what are we talking about tonight, brother?
1: Okay, so tonight Adam and I are headed back to Texas. Who talk about talk about an extremely haunted hotel? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes Adam and I have to dig pretty deep. And then we dig a little deeper to find some of those really juicy, scary stories for you guys. But we had no problem finding story after story of paranormal experiences at the Jefferson Hotel in Jefferson, Texas.
0: That's right. And, you know, we got to look into the history a little bit of the city of Jefferson before we can look into the history of the hotel. But... Ashley has been on me to have us investigate the city of Jefferson for a while. I don't know why it's taken us this long to get around to it, Um, but we will. I don't either. (laughs) I I don't know. Um, We will do an episode on the city of Jefferson, Texas, because that city is crazy. It's just as crazy as the hotel. There's stuff happening all over the place. Um, so we'll get into that in a follow-up episode, but we thought dip our toes in with the Jefferson hotel here. And Matt, it's like you and I were talking every time we're talking about topics that we need to do for some reason, the Jefferson hotel just goes out of my mind and I never think to say it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And finally I, um, ran across it in notes the other day and I went, dang, we need to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we did. I mean, this place is, it's crazy haunted.
0: It's wild, man. Um, So as we always say, go check our sources. Go down in the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we got our information, some of the articles that we're reading from and whatnot. So go down there, check it out, bottom of the show notes, and you can see the sources. So let's look at a brief history of Jefferson, Texas. And a lot of this comes from Actually, a PDF that I found on a research site about the Jefferson, the city of Jefferson, the county and stuff like that. So let's look at it here and we'll skip. I'm not going to give you the. Unedited version of this, I'm going to skip dates a lot. We'll skip by 100 years a few times um, so that we don't run run into the ground, the. What could be considered boring history, even though mm. I'm a history weirdo, I do have ADD. So we can't do it for very long. <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, hey, look, something's making a noise out here. Mm. Um, so the area of the Texas Gulf Coast that would become Jefferson was originally inhabited by several Native American tribes. Uh, tribes, the Atacapas were found east of the lower Natchez River and two subgroups to the Atacapus, the Didosis and the Akokasas, Akokasas, sorry, um, lived west of the lower Natchez. Now, these people had lived as hunter-gatherers in the area for several thousands of years before the arrival of Europeans. Now, fur trading within this area was a significant activity for the Native Americans. Now, they traded with both the Spanish and the French explorers and trappers early on, and then ended up trading with some trappers from St. Louis in the early 1800s. Now, the Native Americans suffered extremely from this contact, this says. Their numbers dwindled rapidly from perhaps 3,500 at the end of the 17th century to fewer than 10 individuals at the beginning of the 20th century disease um, from which they had no immunity was the primary cause of their demise. So trading with the Spanish and French, they ended up getting wiped out.
1: Yeah. Of course they didn't know. None of them knew.
0: No. Um,
1: Like, Oh, these gross Europeans are here. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. It's not like they showed up coughing on them. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's stuff that the Spanish and the um, French had immunity to. Right. So they they didn't know. And then the Native Americans had never seen that and it wiped them out. So I bring all that up just to say that this area has already seen a lot of death. So keep that in mind. It's seen a lot of death from the Native Americans that live there. Now, skipping ahead, um, in 1779, the governor of Spanish Louisiana requested cattle from along the San Antonio River. After receiving the king's approval, over 1,200 head of cattle were driven to Opelousas in May of 1780, and another 2,000 head were delivered in July and a further 1,500 head in September. So if you're keeping track, that's a lot. Um, In a very few years, the herds around San Antonio were depleted, and the Spanish trail drive ceased. After that, stock raising was to become the first major industry in this area. Um, so they had to replenish the herds of cattle that were driven out of the area. So becoming a uh, a stock raiser, a cattle farmer, was probably pretty good business then. Mm-hmm. Now, in the 1850s, up until the Civil War... Civil War, herds were driven to market at New Orleans from the Lower Trinity River, so that area just was big into um, cattle drives and and cattle raising and all that. Now, skipping ahead again, in the late 1820s, early settlers from around the Trinity and Natchez River joined the other colonists to form the municipality of Atascocita which included the land making up the current counties, Chambers, Hardin, Jasper, Jefferson, Liberty, Newton, Orange, Polk, San Jacinto, and Tyler. Now, this municipality was self-governing until 1831 when it became the Municipality of Liberty, a part of the Department of the Nacogdoches. This is like... um, Uh, A test on pronouncing Texas
1: names. (laughs) I was going to say, man, you whipped through. That was pretty good.
0: Man, that's what over 20 years living here will do to you. 20 20 the first time, and then I'm working on, what is it, three this time? So, yeah, Uh, 15 year stint up there in Tennessee. (laughs) I lost a lot of these pronunciations, but I'm getting it back. That's like that joke I've used before. How can you tell a true Texan? And it's by the way they pronounce Waxahachie. And (laughs) because it's W-A-X-H-A, you know, and people say Waxahachie. And no, you're not from around here. (laughs) As if any of y'all are Texan, you'll find that funny. If if not, you won't care. All right. So to sum up the history, let's look at a snippet from Jefferson, Texas, website's heritage page this says, when was Jefferson founded? Well, no one knows for certain exactly when Jefferson was founded. Many descriptions place the town's birth date in 1836. However, further research points to the early 1840s as the first time Jefferson was mentioned as a new settlement. Named in honor of the third president of the United States, the town appeared on an 1844 map of Bowie County. So it's old, but it's not... Mm -hmm. Like, the town is not super old. The area has a lot of history, but the town didn't show up on a map until 1844. Now, who founded Jefferson? Well, there are two men who are widely credited as co-founders of Jefferson. Alan Uricart was a professional land surveyor and ferry owner who acquired a significant tract of land between Big Cypress and Black Cypress Creek. As a surveyor, he had the foresight to recognize the potential of this land as an ideal place to grow a new town. So its navigable river system, Big Cypress Bayou, could bring boats eight miles further into land than previous ports allowed, and its location at the bend of the bayou gave it another unique advantage. Enough width in the stream to enable steamboats to turn around. In his plans... For the growth, Urquhart designed the streets within Jefferson's business district to face the water for easy cargo access, both in and out. So that Pretty was good, good idea. Yeah, I was going to say that that's good foresight right there. Now, while Alan Urquhart is recognized as the founder of Jefferson as a commercial center, it was real estate developer Daniel Alley who made his mark on the residential area of the town. Alley and invested in a tract of land just outside the business district that he felt was perfect for developing a genteel residential neighborhood. Genteel is such a weird word to me. (laughs) Uh, Alley established a real estate office in Jefferson and began plotting out the neighborhood he envisioned, later dubbed the Alley Edition. His residential streets ran along the compass points north, south, east, and west, in stark contrast to Urquhart's streets that angled toward the wharf. A quick glance at a current map of Jefferson shows the district angles of the street layouts remain the same today as those established by its co-founders. So that's kind of cool. They didn't go changing the layout of the town. Now, the rich and diverse history of Jefferson, Texas, is told through numerous factual and romantic accounts including those that describe its dramatic rise to prosperity during the mid-1800s as the state's largest and most significant river port. So, you know, Urquhart had a good idea. You know, it, it had enough area on the water to bring steamboats in, turn them around, and he made it, made it that way so they could uh, become a big river port town. Now, this goes on to say that this period of prosperity has come to be known as, quote, the Golden Area. Jefferson erupted into a mid-19th century boomtown with the help of a genteel, graceful society of successful and well-bred families, this says, a host of nefarious opportunists and a rich assortment of eclectic individuals. While offering a supply point and doorway to settlers and immigrants looking for a new life, she was and remains the queen of the bayou. So interesting history of the town as a seaport, you know, it's going to have interesting characters that show up Mm -hmm. now. Let's look at the Jefferson Hotel real quick. Now, it is one of the top 10 most haunted hotels in Texas, and it's been talked about in magazines, newspapers, TVs. It's well known. Yeah. And so, that's why so Matt was saying
1: we, How did we miss this?
0: I know, I know, I don't know. Um I, I, we didn't miss it at one point. It it went on our list. And then we were just too oh, yeah. stupid. I mean, we, too stupid to read it again. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. So uh that, that's why Matt was saying in the beginning, you know, that this had account upon account upon account because People have been here, they know about this, and they, they tell these stories. Now, this says that in the 1850s, Jefferson was one of the most developed cities in Texas, second only to Galveston, thanks to newly chartered steamboat routes along the bayou. For traders working along the Mississippi and its tributaries, Jefferson was the westernmost port that could be reached without transferring their goods from boat to rail. Now, the building now known as the Jefferson Hotel was built in 1851 as a warehouse to support the exploding cotton industry. So it started its life as a warehouse, but it's had many incarnations of this building. Yeah. it says it's unclear exactly when the Jefferson Hotel opened its doors as a center of hospitality. Estimates range from as early as 1870 to as late as 1900. Once it did, however, it also dipped its toes into a business every bit as lucrative as cotton, especially on its, quote, ill-famed second floor. To this day, that floor is still encircled by a long veranda where the hotel's, quote, good time girls once advertised their wares.
1: Yeah. How many times have we heard that?
0: I was going to say, I think we know what that's all about.
1: Uh, You know, but it's funny that. Uh, several of these old haunted hotels that we've covered at one point, uh, served as a brothel. Yeah. I I don't know. You know, there's not, I hadn't seen it enough to say there's a definitive connection, but when we're looking at these, these older hotels, there's a really good chance that, that at one point it was a brothel.
0: Yep. And being a, um, a river port town. It's going to have more of a, of a chance of having that because of visitors. It was a tourist thing. Yeah. All yeah. sorts of There's stuff. So
1: a lot of transient traffic yep. coming in and out of there.
0: Yep. Now, this says that come the era of prohibition, the Jefferson Hotel became a roaring night spot and speakeasy under the name the Crystal Palace. So it wasn't just a hotel. It, it became a speakeasy um, where... If you don't know what a speakeasy is, it's like a secret club where you could go drink and have a good time during Prohibition. So it was like you went in to a front room and it seemed like a normal room or normal hotel or whatever. Then if you knew the password or knew somebody, you got into a back room where all the the booze was kept. And that's where the real party was happening. Now, this says that the hotel's ballroom, maintained until its recent closure with period furnishing, was born was born witness to many an evening of tipsy risk takers gambling with their fortunes and couples dancing the night away to lively ragtime piano. Now, the property has a colorful and violent history as a saloon and brothel during Jefferson's Wild West days as a booming Riverport town in the Civil War era. A few notable events that occurred in the saloon included an incident whereby a local deputy and patron of the saloon shot and killed each other just inside the front door.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's even a story about the, uh, the, the shooting that happened where a a pool of blood can be seen, you know, as you're going in the door, right, right, um, you know, it just it just kind of appears there. Uh, so Wouldn't that you know. be
0: crazy? Like yeah. you're going in uh, to spend the night in this hotel, and right as you walk in, a, a, a pool of blood materializes right in front of you. You're like, all right, I'm going to go next door. Yeah. Peace. Uh, yep. I'll <laughs> see you. Didn't need that. I'll see you. Now, this goes on to say that in another incident, Jessica, um, a madam in the brothel, and her seven-year-old son, Andrew, were killed during a robbery upstairs, and both seemed to remain in the residence.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So, I mean, we've heard that before, too. Where else did we uh, research that one of the madams of the brothel was killed, and she stayed around even after death to try to protect her girls? Was that like the... What, the onion.
1: Uh, that the, it happened at the red onion red saloon. Red onion. Yeah. Um, but it it's happened other places too.
0: Mm-hmm. So that seems to be a common thing. Uh, um, if a madam gets killed, she's she. It's like she, she stays, stays around. around to look over the place. Yep. Protect her girls. Protect her. Her area there. Now the hotel was also temporarily temporarily used as a location of haggard's funeral home so you know that lent some spirits into the mix as well having a funeral home in that same area (laughs)
1: yeah absolutely let's just add that on top of it yeah you know maybe maybe we built this building on top of some indian burial mounds let's really push the envelope here
0: well that's the thing i mean that whole area saw a lot of death from the native americans and then it moved into, you know, it was a hard working Riverport town with a bunch of people coming in and out. And as you know, a lot of Riverport towns, they they had a history of violence because you had criminals that would come in on boats and rob, shoot, kill and then leave and never get caught. Um, it was a, a brothel and a speakeasy and violence happened at those places a lot. And then you had the funeral home on top of it. So it's like good
1: grief. Oh yeah, I mean you know it just you know just throwing gas on the fire here. Yep, and you know the the Jefferson Hotel it it really has um a a lot to offer not just because of its paranormal activity, uh you know it's it's an it's an old um historic building and. You know there is uh as you know as Adam went over, there's a lot of history to this town it's it's very unique it was you know a a big a booming area mm-hmm. um, so you know just just to experience it is is good enough and then and then having you know something happen in the middle of the night makes it even more fun. Uh, I'm talking about ghost stuff, you
0: know yeah, sure you are.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> soon as that came out of my <laughs> mouth I realized what I had said
0: yeah I need to clarify quickly
1: but um one of the former managers Alicia Montgomery actually said she was a skeptic when she started work there um but she said over over the time she spent it quickly changed her opinion <laughs> um, she she was there for a little, a little over four years um she said, uh, you know, there are things that are just unexplainable that happen Uh in this hotel. She said she's been the only one in the hotel before with no employees and no guests. And the front switchboards on the front desk light up like all the rooms are talking to one another. Good grief. (laughs) That would weird you out, man. (laughs) Yeah. That would be weird. She says dishes have moved. Um. She's like, she hadn't seen them move. She says, you can hear them clanging together. She said, the payphone in the hallway will ring. Uh, televisions turn on and off. And she said she had seen things fall when no one was around. Hmm. Huh. And she said, this is just commonplace. It happens all the time. Weird. But what, how else could this place be complete without its own woman in white? I mean, you know, the the woman in white, she gets around. I mean, I know that oh, I yeah. probably I've told two dozen the woman in white stories yep. over the last four years. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a common story, whether it's a um, I, I don't know, like, is that just what some spirits manifest as they just become the woman in white after they die
1: I you know but a lot of them just like this one have some sort of significance to these spirits being dressed in white.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and you know this is another one of these jilted bride stories. Mm-hmm. Um Alicia Montgomery goes on to say that the the main character in this story is Elizabeth. Now, she was a guest that hung herself in the hotel in the 1870s. She was a bride that was stood up on her wedding day. Now, this is where it's kind of interesting. She hung herself from the bed that at the time um, they had moved it around. It was in room uh, 19. Huh. Now, they were told that the groom never showed up and she felt as if she couldn't go on with her life. And local historians believe that she might have even been pregnant. Now, back back in the 1800s, you know, there wasn't anybody to help you out. I mean, you were on your own. And so maybe at that point she said, you know, this is my only way out. But we're going to talk more about this bed. She hung herself from the bed. You know, how in the world (laughs) could you do that?
0: I I don't know. People say...
1: You can't hang yourself from the headboard of a bed. You can if it's twelve feet tall. Oh wow. Yep. Yeah. That's a big bed. So-, <laughs> so the head of the headboard of this particular bed is twelve feet tall. Um and and that would that would do the trick. I've never seen a
0: bed that tall. Yeah. I think now, Ashley I- would love it, but I've never seen one that tall.
1: Now, Jody Breckenridge, who was another former manager at the Jefferson Hotel, said that, you know, despite all these being really cool ghost stories to tell, she's like, they they have at least a little bit of historical truth, um, you know, because, you know, and in, in, she says in old hotels and castles, you'll have the jilted bride, the woman in white or the woman in gray, and it always sounds like you know, a really good legend. But Breckenridge took it a step further and actually found an old newspaper um, that had a story that related to this particular story of the jilted bride hanging herself from the bed in the Jefferson Hotel. Hmm. She said, it's this is a true story. Um, it, it wasn't just a legend that was made up. And Breckenridge goes on, and I love this. She says to me, "It's not a ghost story unless you know why it's a ghost story." Yeah. And I thought, man that that's a really that's a I, really cool quote.
0: I like that. Because, yeah.
1: Because I feel that way. You know, if I if if I know the the historical significance of a haunting, oh, it makes it so much more intriguing. Oh, absolutely. It, yeah. And I mean, we we do share a lot of stories where there's there's nothing in history that would um, that would cause this. So when you find one of those, you're just like, oh, this is I love yep. it. I just I love it.
0: And that's why we look through the history of places so much is to see if we can tie something together, yeah. or maybe a couple researchers hadn't gotten together and you know, made that connection. So we try to dig and maybe see if we can find that connection as well.
1: Yeah. So Breckenridge says that it happened in 1912. The woman's name was Lydia Grisby. Her family was staying at the hotel. The fiance sent word that he wasn't coming to the wedding. She came back to the hotel where she hung herself. Mm. Now the, the bed that the bride hung herself from remains in the hotel today now it's changed i say today it was today as of this article which i think was 2015 um you know it's it's changed hand and it's gone through some renovations currently um so i can't say for sure that the bed's there but it was for a long time um the they said the top of the headboard curves in from the weight of the body oh wow it's even it's even chipped in one spot from where the rope rubbed against it
0: wow yeah i I hate to say the word cool seeing that somebody hung themselves there but it's tragic it's intriguing it's it's interesting that it's still there and there's that much evidence of it
1: yeah and and you know we've We've discussed stories like this before where an object that was involved in something like this will become imprinted with the event. Mm -hmm. And and so this spirit may very well be tied to that bed. Yep. And so wherever that bed goes, the spirit's going to go.
0: Yep. Most likely it will, yeah.
1: Now, there's also Adam's favorite type of ghost in Uh, the Jefferson Hotel, ghost children.
0: Of course.
1: Of (laughs) Of course course. there are. There's always a ghost child in a hotel. Okay? And the two in the Jefferson Hotel, are it's a pair of children, um, and one is about seven years old, and typically... He's seen in, in boy-length pants, you know, like the little short pants, mm-hmm. and and the shants. girl is seen in a pinafore.
0: I like to call them shants. Shants. <laughs> it sounds neater that way.
1: Look, somewhere, my mother has a picture of me in, in that outfit with short pants. Yeah. She was like, you didn't wear long pants until you were in kindergarten or something like that, <laughs> and I'm thinking, ugh. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, I don't know where, I know there's at least a few of, of me dressed like that. Now these children are believed to be casualties of the building's days as a cotton warehouse. So they also say you better hang on to your keys, your wallet, your watch, the, you know, jewelry, um, because huh. these, these children like to play around with small objects, and they pull pranks on guests, moving possessions around and turning lights on and off. Oh, that's interesting. And and Alicia Montgomery, she says, well, they're children's ghosts. You know, they do children things. Uh, She says they like the lower floors. They're practical jokers. They move things. Sometimes guests bring toys for them to play with. They like small objects like pennies, marbles, and keys, and those type things are what gets moved around in the hotel most often. So, Adam, there's so much going on in the world right now, whether it's stuff you're you're getting pumped up about, like we're, we're going into Halloween, which is always an exciting time oh, around yeah. my house, and I know it is around yours. Um, or if you've got some stuff going on, you'd rather not think about, you know, things have been kind of messed up at work or you're, you know, just not feeling yourself. Um, you just, you can't always control the vibe. Okay. But you can control the vibes in your head with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears.
0: That's true, and Matt, I, I have to tell you, I always have mine on. Um, if especially you know working from home and stuff like that, for me, I if I'm not editing or something, I've got my Raycon earbuds in. If I'm doing research or if I'm doing some project around the house, especially if I'm using like the circular saw or miter saw or anything, I put them in to kind of help dampen the noise of the saw. But I've also got podcast or music going all the time. I wear them to the gym and the great thing is there's no wires that wrap around your neck or anything like my old pair did and they don't fall out. If you pick the right silicone ear piece that they they put a pack in there with a bunch of them, if you pick the right one, you can shake your head, bounce around, run on a treadmill, whatever, and they're not going to fall out. And it's one of the things I love about them. They're just like, they become a part of you once you put them in. And a cool thing, Matt, on the, the the new ones is you get three new sound profiles to make sure everything you're listening to sounds its best with just the right amount of bass. They've got a pure mode, which is for podcast listening, blues, instrumentals. They have a balanced mode, so that's for podcast listening, rock, heavy rock metal my kind of stuff that that's kind of where i would keep it Uh, and then they've got the bass mode for hip-hop edm reggae stuff like that that you want to pull out the bass in i mean these things are bassy you don't realize you can get that kind of sound out of these tiny little earbuds but you really can
1: yeah and and raycons are about half the price of other premium audio brands but they sound just as good and Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. So right now, Graveyard Tales listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash tails. That's buyraycon.com slash tails to save 15% off on Raycon.
0: That's right. You can get 15% off on any order you place on Raycon. By just going to buyraycon, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash tails, T-A-L-E-S. That's buyraycon.com slash tails. Buyraycon.com slash
1: tails. Now, they've actually had some mediums and psychics come in and, and tell them that one of the child ghosts is older than Elizabeth, which is the name of the, the woman in white mm-hmm. uh, or, or what they have named her. And, and that she is indeed from the cotton warehouse days. Hmm. Now, Jody Breckenridge said that some people have actually witnessed apparitions of the children around the hotel's hallways. But she says, when people tell me that they've seen them, I'll ask before I say anything, what do they look like? What were they wearing? Just to compare the stories to see if everyone is seeing the same thing.
0: That's a good and idea. Said,
1: yeah, it is a good idea. And, and she says, it's always a girl and a little boy, seven to eight years old. They always describe her as wearing the pinafore white leotard and black high top button boots. They say that he has on what she calls knee breeches. um, not fancy clothing. It's just what these type children would have been wearing every day.
0: Right. Right. While you're talking, I'm looking at, um, pictures of the Jefferson, um, mm-hmm. trying to find one that I had, uh, found previously. Uh, doing research but didn't save and there is one that you talked about the lady in white there Mm -hmm. is a picture that allegedly has um, it looks like a shadowy white figure walking down a stairwell in the hotel and you know in looking at the picture there's some white coming out from it as well that's not of the figure so it could be it could be anything. It could be mm-hmm. uh, a weird camera artifact or, or something, but it's intriguing that it does look like a, a woman in white walking down the stairs, mm-hmm. and you covered that already. So
1: Yeah, but it's, it's cool, though, and that's a cool picture. I, I saw it, too. Okay, so housekeeper Denise Garza said that she's also had personal encounters with the children. She says, you can turn off a light and it will turn on again when you walk away. But when you walk back to turn it off, it'll switch off by itself. Hmm. She says, but the children will behave when you tell them to. She said, sometimes I'll just say, All right, children, enough is enough, and they'll stop. So well, that you know that's appreciated. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> They've just they've just been around there a long time but they're still children's ghosts.
0: yep that's like when I had to have that conversation with Frank in the old house he was mm.
1: waking oh, me yeah. up at
0: night and I just said, look dude, I gotta get up early. Can you not do that and let me get some sleep? Didn't yeah. happen for a night or two.
1: yeah. Now other employees have had some pretty frightening experiences in the hotel. Um, another hotel employee Courtney Wells, Says that in room eight, she was choked by something. Oh, wow. She said she walked in to take a picture and had the sensation of being choked. She says she had handprints on her neck. And she's like, she'll never go back into that room.
0: That's well, wild. Nor, nor nor would I. No, um, no. What room is that? So I don't get that one.
1: Yeah, that, eight? that was uh, room eight.
0: Room eight. Well, we had talked about visiting that at a later date um, while doing this research. We're like, maybe we—that's not too far from here. Not staying in room eight.
1: Yeah, eight is off the list. You know. Yep. But um, uh, former manager Alicia Montgomery says that one night she was uh, she was there really late working on a project on the computer, and two of the phone lines in the room lit up like they were talking to one another. She said she had no guests and there were no employees there. Then the lights to the phone went uh on and off and she started hearing sounds of the plates being picked up and silverware hitting the plates. That's a pretty distinctive sound. It's if you yeah. hear it you you know that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Like I heard something. I wonder what that could be? Could that be silverware? No, that's that's something everybody's heard.
0: Mm -hmm. You know know exactly what silverware sounds like hitting a plate.
1: Yeah, easily recognizable. And she's there by herself. Now, there have been several reports that describe a tall male figure in a long coat and high boots who comes and goes as he pleases. Though he doesn't make any threatening moves, some guests have become a little unsettled by his persistence sitting yep. or standing in their rooms throughout the night i i yeah i
0: would understand that if you just it, had some weirdo sitting in your room all night
1: yeah you know i mean it's like i i see something and i'm kind of spooked by it and you kind of look away or you try to go back to sleep and you think oh yeah enough time's passed and you look and it's still there yeah <laughs> no, And like, moved. i want you go away
0: yeah <laughs> I, I get it you're here just like going visible for a while let me go to sleep yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna have to wake up and look at you, you're
0: gonna keep from sleeping. And you're not but, that good looking anyway, so let <laughs> let's not kid ourselves here. Not well, that I wanna be looking at you, but
1: There's no story as to who he is, but whoever he is, he's apparently the hotel's most solid and hard to miss apparition. Hmm. So some guests have even purported following him down a hall thinking he's just another guest. Yeah but then they'll see him vanish as he turns into one of the rooms. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You actually think you're behind another person and that person just vanishes?
0: Yeah, that would freak you out.
1: Yeah. For sure. I mean, it'd, be, it'd be one thing if you think you're following a ghost and it vanishes. If you mm-hmm. think you're following a livid person and they vanish, it tends to, you know, make you make you stop for a minute. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's like, Is he going to the room next door to my? Holy
1: cow. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this, this next story is, is, is really cool to me, and uh, it's something that we, we've kind of, we kind of seen in other stories, but not quite like this. Now, I mentioned Room 19 earlier, and it is particularly active, um, and it seems the part of that is connected with the anguish spirit of a teenage girl. Now, through records of the hotel's history as a as a brothel, um, there those records are kind of, eh, you know, not not the best. Um, yeah. Yep. But the the girl is thought to be a prostitute who was stabbed by a client and left to die slowly in the room's bathtub. See, now I I told you I would I would touch on that that Adam mentioned um, mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. But she now appears in the mists of hot showers and leaves messages on room 19's bathroom mirror. Now sometimes the words seem to be warnings. Other times they seem to be pleas for help. The name Judy has been seen among the writing on the mirrors, but it's unclear if she's introducing herself or calling out to a friend or a coworker for help. But room 19 is not the only room where messages have been left on the mirror. In March of this year, two guests checked in to the Jefferson Hotel's room 17 only to be spooked so much that they left in the middle of the night. It says the couple settled in for the night and went into the bathroom to take a shower. Now, as the bathroom began to fog up, And when the couple looked in there to look at the bathroom mirror, there was a message that read, you must leave. Eesh. Okay. Now you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Now that's, that's not the most, uh, uh, that's not the easiest thing to see written on a bathroom mirror, Mm -hmm. but the couple didn't really think all that much of it, you know, kind of knowing the history. They wiped it off, and it says they got back in the shower. Um, Uh I don't don't know where this story was going, but I don't
0: know. Keep going. Talk slower. the
1: The the spirit the the spirit didn't really appreciate it that it didn't take the first message seriously, and it changed the message. This time, when they got out of the shower. The message read get out. And the couple pretty much dropped everything, locked themselves out of the bathroom, grabbed what they could, and got dressed. The hotel staff said they checked out just after one AM, leaving some belongings in the room. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now it's it's cool because the way it, it the mirror seems to be a way that the spirit is communicating. Mm-hmm. What's even what's even more unique about this one is the fact that they got two messages back to back that were different. Yeah. Yep. So that really speaks to an intelligent haunting, don't you think? Oh yeah, it's not just something
0: that is writing the same thing over and over and over again on right. the mirror. It's actually intelligent communication with something that's communicating to you how it feels
1: right right and that's i mean that's something you don't you don't see as much yep now there have been over 300 paranormal investigations in the jefferson hotel over a 10 a year period and this this list was compiled uh, based on these investigations as to the similarities that the investigators had during their time in the Jefferson Hotel, whether it, you know that they identified the same spirit um, or, or the same uh, activity, and it gives a little bit more credence to the activity that's going on in the hotel. Yeah. So, so these are the things that are not just isolated findings of a few investigators. So 75% of the investigators revealed a seven-year-old spirit named Andrew that was drowned in a bathtub upstairs in the front. Andrew and his mother, Jessica, who was the, as Adam said, was the, the madam in the brothel, were killed during the course of a robbery. Now, Andrew's spirit is known to be quite playful, and he likes to pull hair and rattle door handles.
0: Dang kids freaking people out with the door handle thing.
1: So 75% of investigators had an experience with Andrew. Now, Jessica was identified by 90% of the investigators. Now she is said to have stepped out of the bath in the upstairs front part of the building and surprised the robbers. Jessica always wore white and was then known as the lady in white and is frequently seen on the staircase in the upstairs window. So even then, even I mean there there's so much activity that they they have they have more spirits than they have stories. Yeah. Okay, yep. so so we've got a jilted bride with historical reference to uh, to Libby, we've got a, a spirit that fits, you know, that story that they call Elizabeth, and now we've also got a woman in white that is potentially the spirit of the previous Madam Jessica. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we're lucky to get one story for a haunting, and this time we've got yeah. potentially three and named spirits too. Yes. So it makes me wonder. Are are we talking all talking about the same spirit?
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: I mean, you know, sure enough, it could just be one and and one of them is hanging around. What if it's what if it's not? What if it's all of them? Yep. And they're just different experiences all through the hotel. Ninety percent of the investigators also identified a male spirit named Billy, who they is reported to be a borderline poltergeist, but a friendly one. He moves items occasionally and causes some loud noises, but he says that he does these things to keep people away from his space, which is upstairs. He does seem to tolerate women better than men, and it's believed that Billy was the groom. That was hanged, as described in the in the earlier story. So I didn't oh, have wild. I didn't have anything about the groom being hanged.
0: No. So yeah. this
1: is kind of a an oddball twist to the previous jilted bride story. Mm-hmm. You know, well they like oh you know, and you know honestly in that that day and age, you know a family is all gathered together in this town for this wedding. And the groom calls it off, and it causes the the bride to be to to hang herself. Look, going and tracking down this guy, yeah, and and taking care of him the same way that they lost their daughter. Don't it's, don't believe that stuff like that didn't happen.
0: I was gonna say it. It's highly possible that they tracked him down and hanged him. Yeah, highly possible.
1: Now, 50% of investigators identified a Captain Perry. Legend has it that he was one of the first riverboat captains to dock in Jefferson and hung out at the Con Saloon and Brothel. Now, he was reportedly murdered in town by a group of Union sympathizers, but apparently returns where he was the most entertained. Now, Captain Perry can sometimes be sensed by his cigar smell in the hallways. So, more you know cigar whatever. smell yeah now we got now we got smells too so smells apparitions stuff moving around mm-hmm. possibly a poltergeist good lord act i don't know how they get a break <laughs> how do you work here you know,
0: yeah exactly
1: i mean you not that it's scary it might be but you can't get anything done yeah <laughs> There's constantly something going on
0: Picking up after the poltergeist all the time and
1: uh, they should just have a hotel for ghosts.
0: You yeah.
1: Know, we don't yep. let we no humans can stay the night. You can come and visit, but you can't you can't rent any rooms. You can come and take the tour. This hotel is for ghosts only. Yep. You know, they can live out and do whatever the hell they want in this hotel.
0: <laughs> that's not a bad plan.
1: All right. If there's a movie that comes out that's hotel for ghosts, you heard it here. Okay. Yeah, right. They, they, they stole my idea.
0: Graveyard Tales invention.
1: It's so. Ghostbusters 4. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you. Now, 75% of the investigators um, are, are identified by 75% of the investigators. Jacqueline was from New Orleans and came to Jefferson as a prostitute in the 1860s. Two men shot and killed each other over her in front of the saloon and were buried in a common grave at Oakwood Cemetery in Jefferson. Visitors can locate their common grave in the cemetery as it's marked by two metal posts with a chain between them. Jacqueline was said to have become quite distraught over the deaths and hung herself the next night upstairs. The occasional moaning and crying sounds that are heard are said to arise from Jacqueline. Hmm. I, I don't I don't don't do something that horrible because two two men were stupid over you.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And that that's no joke. the The thing that gets me about that story though is the one grave for the two of them.
1: Yeah. That they must that have been, seems odd. Must have been. You know, nerdy wells. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. you don't, they they certainly weren't respected members of society.
0: No, no. So, yeah, they, they must have been on somebody's crap list or yeah. something.
1: And, and they were pretty good shots, too. <laughs> I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So you, you'd think somebody would have missed or survived. Uh, no.
0: Nope. Yeah, yeah. You'd think uh, only one of them would hit and kill, yeah, right? With the way the the pistols were and stuff
1: back then, you'd think yeah. it was. I don't know. Now, seventy five percent of the investigators also identified the watchman, who is said to wander outside of the building. Visitors will hear a metallic tapping on a window occasionally from the barrel of his shotgun. It's the watchman's way of letting you know that all is well. Now, ironically, the tapping can also be heard on the second floor windows, which are over 20 feet off the ground.
0: That's a big person.
1: Yeah, or a really long gun.
0: Yeah, right? (laughs) I was thinking of like uh, uh, the Slenderman, you know, real (laughs) big and long arms and tapping on the window
1: what if he was actually about the size of an elf and he had a 30-foot shotgun? <laughs> oh wow yeah <laughs> He swung around just tapping
0: yeah that's like my dad's got a, a picture um out on their porch that's got three dudes like in the early 1900s going out hunting and it says, sometimes you just need to bring your big gun. And they've got six foot, seven foot tall guns that they were using for bird hunting. But they were like six or seven foot long, like yeah. the barrels on them. And I picture that from you saying that as those people with the, a gun as tall as they are, and they're just hitting windows and stuff.
1: This bird looks like it was killed at close range. Yeah, <laughs> Well, it was. Now, yeah,
0: I was 20 feet away, but not the end of my gun.
1: now uh abigail was identified by 65 percent of investigators and was a prostitute in the building her mode of death is unknown but guests occasionally report being awakened by what feels like someone sitting down on the bed now that's another common thing we see in these hotel hauntings is that sensation that somebody sat down on your bed yep (laughs) now this one i love it The naked lady has been identified by 70% of the investigators.
0: Hey.
1: But has only begun appearing in the last few years. Oh, really? She is seen standing in the third uh, window upstairs, naked and smiling. (laughs) She is thought to have been a young woman that visited the hotel and decided to move to Jefferson a few years ago (laughs) (laughs) on her way back from California she was killed in an accident in Arizona, and her visage began to appear here shortly after that. Huh. The ghost hunter photographed the naked lady in the third window upstairs in 2016. Hmm, a naked lady.
0: I like it. I I laugh because I have not heard of anything like that.
1: I know a naked like, ghost. I never. Yeah.
0: We we've had the the ghost that likes to get frisky at the South Pittsburgh Hospital that mm-hmm. grabbed dudes yeah. butts and stuff, but <laughs> we I've never heard of a naked ghost.
1: Yeah, me either. This yeah, this place has it all. Now I here, love it. Here's a here's a few later additions to the uh, the list. Okay, in May of 2016, an individual on the Jefferson Ghost Walk tour photographed a large blood stain that appeared for a few minutes just inside the rear door. Now, some say this is from a prostitute that died just inside the door, but we also have to remember that there were two dudes that shot and killed one another in the front. Yep. You know, so either either one, and I mentioned that this is the story about the blood stain that appears. Um when uh, we were discussing that earlier when Adam was right. going over the history of the building. Now, in June 2016, a paranormal group spent the night in the hotel with uh, recorders in the upstairs hallway. Now, many voices were recording, including a woman screaming and a gunshot. Another voice saying, help, repeatedly, uh, and and a lot more. So, I mean, this place is just, it is Full of activity. I mean, if you could, you could most likely stay a few nights in the Jefferson Hotel and almost guarantee that you're going to have some type of experience. You may not necessarily see an apparition, but something's going to happen that you can't explain.
0: Yep. All right. So here's the thing all of y'all know. That Matt and I both hate going to the grocery store, and that's why we are always so ecstatic to be partnered up with HelloFresh. Now, with HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Or, you know, fall is busy. It's especially busy in the graveyard here with spooky season and all that. Matt and I are crazy busy. But HelloFresh recipes save time that you'd otherwise spend meal planning, shopping, and chopping so you can get back to what matters, like dressing up the house for Halloween and making sure you got your costume prepared.
1: Getting down and buying that 12 foot tall skeleton. Amen. <laughs> But HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. That's a ton from vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options. There's really something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Oh, HelloFresh is also 30% cheaper than shopping at grocery stores with pre-portioned ingredients that ensure you won't spend money on excess food that ends up going in the trash. And this is fantastic because sometimes you may need a seasoning um, or or a a particular thing like maybe it it needs ginger root. Mm -hmm. Okay? You never need an entire piece of ginger root. You're only going to shave off what it needs and then You may not need it again for two or three months, and it's going to go to waste. If you need it, then HelloFresh is going to give you the right amount that you need, and there's no waste. And the other
0: good thing about that is when you've got your kids helping, like Michael likes to help us do the HelloFresh meals. So the fact that they have pre-measured, pre-portioned ingredients means all I've got to do is say, Michael, put that packet, that packet, and that packet in the bowl And mix Mm -hmm. it together i don't have to say here's a big container of italian seasoning now i need you to get one eighth of a teaspoon out of that a quarter of a teaspoon out of this other one i don't don't have to worry about that you just open the package and dump it in and that makes the kids helping with the meal a lot easier and a lot less stress on the parents that are trying to get them involved in cooking
1: yeah because inevitably when when we're cooking a recipe i get the question um how how many three quarter cups need to go into six (laughs) cups Uh, yeah why why are you at well because i can't find the cup measuring cup (laughs) yep it's like the measuring spoons are missing something the measuring cups are missing one hello fresh i don't have to worry about it exactly So Graveyard Tales listeners can go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard14 and use code Graveyard14, that's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-1-4, for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping.
0: Yeah, that's just amazing. So if you're listening to this, just go to HelloFresh.com slash graveyard 14 and use our code graveyard 14 that's g-r-a-v-e y-a-r-d one four and you can get 14 free meals including free shipping
1: now during the hotel's later years of operation they actually had a book of the dead and it was kept behind the front desk. Now guests were encouraged to write down the details of any contact with one of the hotel spirits. And you know, if you're brave enough, they, you know, people were allowed to check out volumes of the book of the dead for their bedtime reading. Oh, wow. Can you imagine sitting there reading somebody's handwritten personal story about what happened to them in the bed that you're laying in? Mm.
0: (laughs) That would be wild. That really would.
1: Honey, honey, what's what's our room number? Uh, 19, why? (laughs) We need another room. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, let, let, let's find another hotel because I've been reading about all of them on this floor. So uh, now that would be I, weird, man.
1: Now I, y'all, y'all I, know by now that one of my favorite things to do uh when we're looking at a haunted place is f- dig through advisor reviews. Okay, because sometimes you will find some amazing uh paranormal stories that people will leave in their reviews okay okay so here's here's one that i found now user synthrax wrote this review in february of 2020 he says most people who we've met staying here come for the paranormal experiences the historic jefferson hotel never disappoints room 19 wow We had two in the bed and two on the floor sleeping. He says, I got the floor the first night, and everyone had experiences. The floor planks by my head were moving, creaking, and and footsteps walked right beside my head. Oh, wow. I swore our friends had gotten up to go to the bathroom, but they had not moved once they got under the covers. They were experiencing their own unique fun with ghosts. They said they felt like they were surrounded by people who kept crowding in more and more, shaking the bed from side to side, bumping it harder every now and then. Weird. And he says, in the bathroom, after taking a bath, you'll see a message in the mirror. He said, it hadn't changed in years, and I've tried to rub it out as well as write other messages to see if they'll show up when they steam up the bathroom. He says they won't. (laughs) Well, that's wild. So you go in and write your own message on there, and it it won't show up. It doesn't up, work. The, yeah. the other ones do.
0: That's crazy.
1: I know. See, that's why what, I said. That that whole message on the mirror thing that was my, that was my favorite thing about this place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is so cool. What what
0: catches me about that their experiences is if they were all awake. Like, at the same time, having experiences at the same time, it makes me, like, and they did that, and then they didn't realize what was happening to the other. Like, the one on the floor didn't notice the bed was shaking. The ones in the bed didn't notice the floor was creaking and somebody walking across. That really hits home what we were talking about, and I think we may have talked about it in the episode with Scott and Forrest, how... Paranormal things are so individual.
1: Right. And they're yeah, meant they're
0: meant for the individual. And you can you can be awake and right next to somebody and them have a totally different experience than you. And that's one of the things that makes me fight the mass hallucination thing. Mm-hmm. Because you're you're right there next to each other experiencing something and it's completely different. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's interesting. He didn't say whether they were all awake at the same time or whether it was different times. But I just thought if it's all at the same time, that that's kind of interesting.
1: It is, and uh, you know, and you know, talking about hauntings being individualized, you know, based on what you know, maybe what you're expecting or what you interpret. Um sure. Some of these stories are gonna be because, hey, we're staying in a haunted hotel. Mm-hmm. And you go in with that mindset of we're staying in a haunted hotel. And yeah. you you want something to happen. And so maybe you misinterpret something as, you know, oh well, that's well, that's what happened to us. I heard the doorknob jiggle or something. And and I'm sure. There are a lot of those stories, but these stories that we were able to find, they don't just, they they, they don't, they don't just stop with maybe that was something that happened. No. I mean, some of these people are having experiences and seeing things and hearing things and feeling things over and over and over again, and the stories are corroborated by other guests by investigators, by employees, Mm -hmm. because they've all had similar experiences. Maybe not exactly the same, but they've all had very similar things. They've seen the same things happen over and over again. That puts a lot of weight into the validity of these stories and the fact that the Jefferson Hotel is most likely really freaking haunted.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I I think it is. I think there there is something happening there. Yeah. This is not a uh, the the hotel looks spooky, so people get freaked out and think they have experiences. I think there's there's things happening there. Some yeah. of it, like 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 we were saying, might be the same entity put to three different stories. But either way. There's still if it is the same entity that that entity is busy, yeah, doing a lot of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I I believe just based on the sheer volume of solid stories that there's there's not just something. There's a lot of something happening. Yep, at the Jefferson Hotel.
0: And I think uh, me and Ashley and Michael may go one weekend just spur the moment and try to spend a night there at least you know maybe go down on a saturday spend a saturday night and come back on a sunday since it's so close just to see if we can do a little investigating ourselves with the room yeah so no, not room eight, but <laughs> maybe room, room 19 yeah
1: yeah 19 seems fun but a little more docile yep. um but I, you know amanda and i were talking last night and and she she's she seems to remember visiting Jefferson, um, hmm. you know, as a child, she's like, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but she's like, I'm almost positive. She was all the stuff you're talking about in Jefferson sounds so familiar that she's yeah. like, I think we went down there.
0: Um, yep. she may have, it's not too far from where I'm at now. So
1: uh, well, I mean, yeah, and she, I spent- mean, you know, she was right there. She was in Texarkana, so it's not like it was super far. Um, yep. So a reasonable trip, especially if you're, you know, headed down to the coast, but really, really cool and amazing stories. And I, I promise you, I, I, I dug up, I I dug up a lot of stories, but there were so many that I couldn't include all of them. Um, there's just a ton. So if, if you want to go look into the Jefferson hotel, if you're thinking about visiting down there, um, follow our sources And, and you're, you're going to find some, some even more, you're going to find even more stories that just, they reiterate a lot of what, you know, we've shared with y'all tonight. So this is the point in the show where we say, tell us what you think. Do do you think the the Jefferson hotel, I got to say, this is probably one of the most active uh, hotel hauntings that we've discussed. Um, For sure. Yeah. You know, what do you think? Have you been? to the Jefferson Hotel or, or to at least to the town of Jefferson and heard some stories about it, let us know. And one of the best places to do that is our Facebook group. Um, just go on Facebook and search Graveyard Tales, and you'll find us there. Uh, it's one of the best groups on social media, at least in my humble opinion. Um, you're going to find daily posts about personal experiences. You're going to find some jokes in there. People share their dad jokes with us. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's a safe place. You know, you're not going to be made fun of, you're not going to be called crazy or anything. People just want to hear these stories because they're fascinating. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter and while you're there, you can slide over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com and on our website, you can listen to the show you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise, and you can come become a patron. And as Adam mentioned at the top of the show, uh, our our patron members uh, get video of us uh, recording the the show, the actual show. Um, you get to see us flub and mess up and retake and all of that stuff and mess mm-hmm. with one another. Um, but you know you you get episodes that are unique and different a little bit shorter and a little more casual um so if you're thinking about it it, it, it it's a good time to jump in there we've got a, a really solid backlog of uh back catalog of, of episodes to uh to fill you fill your need for some graveyard tales <laughs> between waiting for the regular show to come out right yeah well adam i think that's all i've got for the jefferson hotel awesome So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.